Yeah! Talking about expressvpn.com slash nooners. Love ExpressVPN. You've got to have a VPN in today's world or you're not living your life right, brother. People are going to start stealing your passwords, all your bank info, everything. And I know most of you are probably thinking, uh, why don't you just use incognito mode? Let me tell you something. Incognito mode doesn't hide your activity. Doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can see every single website you've ever visited. That's why when I'm at home, I never go online without using Express VPN. Huge fan. I've had it for years. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I don't even realize I have ExpressVPN on. It runs seamlessly in the background uh, of all my computers and my laptops and my phones, and it's super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button, and you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, like I was saying, phones, computers, uh, even your smart TV. So there's no excuse for you not to be using it right now. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Mashable. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash nooners, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash nooners. Expressvpn.com slash nooners. Head there to learn more. Yeah, talking about liquidiv.com, promo code Nooners at checkout. You see us drinking it on the show every single day. Where would we be, Japes, without Liquid IV in our lives? Dehydrated, we'd have headaches, we'd be tired, exhausted. Yep. Not be able to get through the day, get through work, we'd be sick all the time. I'd be hungover. (laughs) Every single day. Love the Liquid IV. Liquid IV hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, essential vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks out there, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick. It's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. It's just a little tiny stick full of powder. Pop it in 16 ounces of water. You're good to go. What's your reckon, Jabes? Double or triple hydrated? Du- I would say double. Oh, I'd say triple. What? Nay. I'll say triple today. Huge fan of Liquid IV. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration. With Liquid IV, get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code Nooners at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop better hydration today using promo code Nooners at liquidiv.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ross. Patterson Revolution! Brought to you by BlackRifleCoffee.com 
Welcome to Ross Patterson Revolution. We got a big show today. We got one of my favorite actors on the planet, Mr. Michael Raymond James, joining us today via phone call. Um, if you don't know who Michael Raymond James is, uh, you live under a rock because he's been in some of the biggest TV shows um, in the last 10 years. Uh, talking about True Blood, talking about Once Upon a Time. Uh, talking about Game of Silence, Lethal Weapon, you name it. I mean, look, he was in Jack Reacher, The Walking Dead. Um, you name it, he's done it. He's probably the guy you watch that you're like, oh, fuck, man. That guy's an amazing actor. What's his name? His name is Michael Raymond James, and we're going to get him on the show today. And uh, he's one of my favorites. I, I got to do a movie with him uh, a few years back uh, named Darnell Dawkins, Mouth Guitar Legend. And uh, he was absolutely incredible in that been uh been friends ever since and uh, i genuinely think he's one of the most talented actors we have on the planet uh, but first we got some sponsors who pay for this whole shit to be on the air surprisingly uh first and foremost talking about blackriflecoffee.com blackriflecoffee.com is a premium roast to order coffee they have a bunch of delicious flavors um, I, it's blends. I know. I know. I get, I get chastised for it every time of like, it, look, it's not a flavor. It's a blend. I know it's a blend. All right. Uh, but I enjoy saying flavor because there's, there's different names and different styles on the box. This one is just black. I, I like that. And I like the, uh, caffeinated as fuck as well as, is my two jams. They got K cups, they got bags, and then they got this dope ass apparel. I am always wearing their hoodies. I live in black rifle coffee hoodies. Uh, go to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Get a subscription of the month at BlackRifleCoffee.com. The, the coffee just gets shipped to your doorstep every month at the same day, and it's about 4 bucks cheaper than Costco, which is nice. You don't have to leave the fucking house. Uh, use the promo code REVOLUTION for 20% off at BlackRifleCoffee.com. Next up, we got StraightRazors.com. Ooh, look at these little guys. Uh, these straight razors are the, the fucking business. Um, not only are they the business for, for, ra for razors, um, but they're the business for any product you need to be a dude. They got uh, shampoos, conditioners, beard oils, mustache waxes, you name it. Straightrazors.com is the place to go for every product you need as a real man in this lifetime. Um, big fan. They've been with us since day one. Try out their shaving kit. It's, uh, it's a game changer, kids. Big, big fan of straightrazors.com and all of their products. Number one ranked aftershave in the world. Number one ranked cologne and smolder. Uh, those are the business. If you don't believe me, just buy, a, just buy a bottle of fucking aftershave. Tell me that's not the greatest thing of your entire life. And uh, I'll, I'll let you smack me in the biscuits if I'm wrong. Go to straightrazors.com. Use the promo code REVOLUTION for 20% off. Next up. We've got StrikeForceEnergy.com. This, this is my jam here, this, this grape. This Make America grape again. This new grape is, is my fave. Uh, I use it all the time. It's nice, it's nice for a pre-workout is what it is. You can get real juiced off on that. You can kick the can, kids. You don't need the can anymore. Get rid of Monster, Kickstart, Red Bull, all that bullshit. Uh, this, this is a tasty, tiny little tin pouch that uh, boom, boom, squirts into anything you got, and uh, you're ready to start your day. Uh, go to StrikeForceEnergy.com. They also have a subscription of the month club, which I highly recommend. And these boxes are only like $9.99 a piece. So with the promo code REVOLUTION, it's 20% off. It's almost like you're fucking stealing this shit from them. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com. Use the promo code REVOLUTION for 20% off. Now I'm going to give uh, Michael Raymond James a little jangle on the telephone. 
Michael Raymond James. How are you, buddy? Oh, Jesus. What the fuck do you want? <laughs> oh, it's, it's what it is, is, is it's bright and early and you love to start your day with me. And I know that about you. I do. You're my favorite Buckeye, Ross. <laughs> yeah, well, you're actually the only fucking Buckeye that I'm cool with. That, like ever in the history of ever that ever. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of amazing. I mean, that should tell people a lot that, you know, look, we really can all get along. We really can. If, if, if an Ohio state fan and a Michigan fan can be beef fries, then anybody can do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All you got to do is you make each other laugh a little bit. Fucking good. Yeah. It's look, look, Elon Musk just put a fucking Tesla in space. So after that, like <laughs> d- we're good. Ohio state and Michigan fans can get along. Like everybody else is fine. I don't think we need any more protests or marches in America. I think we're all just good. I think we're all just I good. I think we're good this. on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before before I called you, I was telling the audience a little bit of your background, and I and I was telling them you're one of my my favorite actors on the planet. Oh shit! Thanks. Man. Yeah, man. I I feel that you're one of the finest we have, and I I genuinely think like and I've said this on the show a, a bunch of times where it's just like, man, I know guys who are so fucking talented that that could probably win Oscars if they were given the chance, and it's it's you I'm talking about. Oh, wow. That's fucking cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I'm surprised we didn't get nominated for that, uh, uh, the Daryl Dawkins thing. Donald Dawkins, I mean, Mouth Guitar Legend, is, is my favorite. By the way, that's my favorite movie, and that's how I became such a fan of yours. <laughs> you know that, right? I, no, I, I didn't know that because that's, that's when I became a fan of yours, too. Uh, I mean, when, when you asked to put me on a, on a tour bus with a live alligator um, <laughs> <laughs> while I massage your shoulders. Uh, <laughs> I, like, how does, I mean, that's a fucking pitch, dude. How do you say no to that? You, you can't. Um, you, you can't. You can't, one, but two. You were so frightened by that alligator. I, I've never seen an actor just leave, just leave the bus. You were just <laughs> like, never seen an actor just leave? No. Jesus Christ. Um, well, yeah, dude, it was a real alligator. And when he came on the bus, it wasn't like, <laughs> he wasn't just like, he wasn't like coming out of his trailer like, hey, hey, hey guys, how you doing? Uh, anybody got them baby sides? I'm not sure what my lines are. He came on snapping his fucking jaws and making a hissing sound. Now, look, dude, I'm from Detroit. We don't have gators up there. And then that fucker came on the bus and was making a hissing sound. It sounded to me like he was pissed. And he was like, I'm looking for somebody to fucking munch on. And it wasn't going to be me. You know, that was that was for sure. Yeah, I I've, I look, I thought it was strange when we got there that the, the gator itself was on like a dog leash. Right. Like it was it was a little tiny leash and the guy who was bless him. Yeah, like, the Wrangler had like a missing hand or something. Yeah. He, he had missing fingers. And <laughs> Dude, I'm not I'm not sure you're so great at this, bro. Like <laughs> I told him I was like, "Hey man, how did that happen?" And he was just like, "Well, how would you think?" And I was like, oh, "Okay, cool." Like I was hoping for like a shop story and like, you know, uh like yeah, a wood shop yeah. story in like 10th grade. None of that. No, he definitely got his fingers bitten off by no, one of the it, animals. It wasn't an M80. There was no fireworks involved. It was, <laughs> it was him petting his fucking gator. Yeah. And he, you know, he came on like real self-assured and he's just like, hey, guys, I, I, have, I, have fed, <laughs> I have fed the gator and I want you to know I have fed this gator 
you're going to be fine. And he was yawning and like looking the other way during the scene. I remember yeah. we got the take we needed. You lean down and you go, I think we got it, man. And <laughs> you yeah. bolted go. off the bus. And I was like, oh, man. I had to stay for close-ups after that. And it was... <laughs> That was the one time like in, in movies, you know, out of the gajillion movies I've done where I was just like, man, that was probably stupid. Like that was probably really fucking dumb that I did that. Uh, it was fucking, it's a great story and it was, and it was fun. And listen, dude, that's a bonding experience. You know what I mean? You don't, uh, it's not every day you come face to face with a wild animal that wants to fucking eat you with a buddy. And and when you do, that's, you got that forever. Nobody can take that away from you. Yeah, and in such a small space like a tour bus where you're like, oh, all right, yeah, it, great. And, and when we say tour bus, this wasn't like Led Zeppelin's tour bus. This was like a Baptist church tour bus. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It really was, uh... <laughs> I, I'll never forget that guy just being like, uh, he goes, uh, man, you got nothing to worry about. Have you seen the that Vaseline commercial with the alligator? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, same gator, same gator. And I was like, great. That doesn't make me feel any better that the, the gator was in a Vaseline commercial. Yeah. Like, he's not sag. He's not, you know. I, I should be wowed by his body of work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, he's, not, he's not after eligible. So, like. <laughs> I don't need you to give me the gator's resume to make me feel good about a live animal that's going to be two feet from my face. Let me tell you something about this gator, man. That gator is Emmy submitted, just Uh-oh. so you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't uh, know how many awards you got, but uh, this guy's been submitted for an Emmy. <laughs> this guy's on a, on a lot of short lists this year, so <laughs> make sure you keep your peepers open for the gator. Um, but I, I, uh, I wanted to tell you something. I don't know if you know this, but the, like the, the, again, the reason why I became such a huge fan is dude, I, I thought you fucking crushed me in that movie. That was the one movie I felt that I got beat on. And I was like, God damn it, man. That guy stole the whole fucking movie from me. Um, well, you talking about Daryl Dawkins, Darnell Dawkins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. you, I mean, you, you were so fucking good in that movie that I was like, Jesus Christ. I, like if this guy who's because i consider you a dramatic actor can come in and just crush a comedy like this there's nothing you can't do and i was i, I sat in the edit and i was in awe and i called you know our, our mutual friend uh, friend uh clayne crawford had introduced us and right. i called him and i was like jesus christ man that guy's good and he goes yo man i told you man mikey doesn't fucking play and uh uh, I, th- I thought you stole that movie and you were you were my favorite character in it and the, the, you were the backbone of that movie. And, and to this day, you know, I, out of all the ones that I've made, that's still my favorite for me. Oh, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, I still got to see it. Can I, can I get no it? No way you've not seen that. Are you one of those, I've not seen it, are you one I, of those I, actors uh, who doesn't watch your shit? I'm not one of those actors. Typically, uh, uh, it's. I, I'm, I've been up to, I've tried it both ways. You know what I mean? Um, because it is sort of uncomfortable to watch yourself uh, in a lot of things, but I, I, I do. Um, I have no problem with it, Mikey, just for the record. Like I, I have zero problems. Like I'll, I'll watch 90 of my performances. <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 I do watch. Now, I mean, look, I, I think that it's a, and it's an important component of the work because I think it's, it's important to see, what's working, what isn't working. Um, I, I don't watch dailies, but I'll, I'll watch a finished product. You want to see like, um, you, you know, cause sometimes 
you're like, man, this scene was really cooking. And then, then you see an edit of it and you're like, holy shit. It's terrible. That was just, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. That was, that was all in the theater of my mind. And, and so I, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the work. It's like, look, I mean, the, uh, the Buckeyes, uh, you know, on Sunday, same with the Wolverines, they get, they get together and they watch game tape. They watch the film of what they just did and they try to get better from it. It's the same thing. Sure. You know, sure. Um, it's so it's, it's I consider it part of the process now, you know, and and with the mouth guitar legend, I've just I've just never had a chance to see it, um, which kind of bums me out. I've always wanted to. Yeah. Well, look, I, next time I see, I'll just shoot your copy or you you can just go to, to Apple or Amazon. I was going to say, is it available on Netflix? Uh, it was. It used to be on Netflix a long time ago. That movie came out a few years back, obviously, but um, <clears throat> it was on Netflix. Uh, at one point, it, dude. Let's plug it. So where is it? It's, it's on. It's on iTunes. Yeah, iTunes, Amazon. Uh, th- those are the two go tos for everybody today. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere else. But it's like I'm not going to go tell people to watch watch a movie on fucking Crackle or something. You know, right? Ah, go watch my outstanding work on Crackle. A- everything these days is pretty much iTunes or Amazon. <laughs> if you can't find it there, good, good luck with your life. You know, right? So, sometimes you'll get like, oh, can I get it on my PlayStation in Iowa? I look, I have no fucking idea if you can. <laughs> I'm not there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not there. Uh, l- l- hey, let's let's start from the beginning though. Where, where are you from originally? You're from Michigan, right? Michigan, yeah. Go blue. Uh, yeah, go blue. Uh, d- <laughs> you didn't go to school there, did you? No, um, I went to the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute. Uh, our football team sucks. Yeah, um, t- terrible. <laughs> they uh, <laughs> they keep repeating the same place over and over no, again. No, my, my dad, my dad went to uh, went to Michigan, and and I grew up. When you when you're from a place like I'm from, you know, you tend to have uh, specific neighborhoods dedicated to certain sports teams. You know, like so you have you got Michigan neighborhoods and you got Michigan state neighborhoods. Uh, and I, I grew up firmly entrenched in sort of a Michigan area, uh, which, it, which isn't to say that there weren't Spartans sprinkled in as well. In fact, I even went to Michigan state for like three semesters. Really? Yeah. I mean, and that was just, I always rooted against him because my dad went to Michigan and I, I was indoctrinated early into the, you know, same the yeah. secular religion that is, you know, Michigan sports, but, um, I, I yeah I first of all I didn't have the grades to go to U of M. Uh, yeah, it's, and, it's a tough school to get into. So is Ohio State, and a lot of people don't understand that. Where it's just like yeah, they're smart kid schools. Yeah, you know, but they yeah. just they just have really good athletes too. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, and so I I I went to but I I don't know why I went to college. The college I hated. It didn't make sense to me. Not the schoolwork. I just didn't know why I was there and what I was doing. And it's because, you know, I'm not from a place where being an actor is like a real possibility. Um, it, I mean, it's sort of like trying to buy property on the moon or whatever. It's just it's just bizarre. Sure. And no one considers it. <clears throat> um, and, and so I, that's, that's, I went there for like three semesters and I, I just I was enrolled, but I barely went. I spent most of my time, you know, reading Kerouac and uh, watching movies and getting drunk and things like that. But uh, uh, that's that's where I was when I first got a taste of of acting. It was uh, I was walking down a street in Lansing, East Lansing, and I saw a flyer for a student film. And it was just 
I was, I think I was, chances I was really hungover. And so my <laughs> thought process wasn't, you know, on very firm footing. And I thought it might sound like a cool idea. And I was just hungover enough that I might go try it. And, um, and I did. And uh, it, I got a part in this little thing and it was shit. I mean, it was terrible, but it was, uh, <clears throat> it, it gave me, a window into a world and it gave me a window into possibilities. You know what I mean? That uh, I wasn't aware of. And, and that's kind of where my journey started from there. I, I got involved in anything moving in Michigan in terms of theater classes or whatever. And then I really, I really tried to figure out where I, how I wanted to go about this or where I wanted to go. And New York was the answer for me. And I wanted to train at the Lee Strasberg Institute and I got accepted and, and, uh, and then that's kind of, that's kind of how it all kicked off. Yeah, you know, it's interesting to hear you say that because the, the the most common question I get, and I'm sure you get this a lot too, from like friends or uh, you know, high school in particular, like high school friends, college friends, things like that. Of like, hey man, I want to be an actor. I'm just, I, I think you know, I think I'm, I'm just going to do this right now. And it's like, hey, it actually takes a lot of training to to be good. Like, like they're not just giving jobs out because you're walking down the street and look like right. Uh, you, you can be somebody and, and nobody understands that it, it takes time and it takes some form of teaching or classes to get you prepared for, for, to be a great actor in this world and to book it jobs. Takes, it takes training. Yeah. I mean, like, like anything else, you know, um, you wouldn't, I, and here's the thing, there's always anecdotal evidence of uh, that one time somebody got plucked from a restaurant and put into a fucking movie and they became a star or whatever, you know? Right. Uh, and that's, that's so, odd and and that's i mean that's it's so rare and and it's not you'd have a better shot of winning the lottery like twice yeah exactly yeah Um, (laughs) Yeah. but it's it's uh you know it because of that people think that all they got to do is go get a picture taken of themselves and they just they can just walk around la passing it out and that somebody's going to make them a star and and that's you know god bless them but that's absurd uh you know, and people wouldn't try that at the Metropolitan Opera, you know what I mean? Or they wouldn't try that as a, being a brain surgeon. You, exactly. you want to be a brain surgeon? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like, I think it sounds like fun. Okay, do you have any training? Uh, no, but I no. got a picture of myself. And I got a, I, look, I, I've seen a brain before. Floor. Yeah, exactly. Here's a scalpel. You know? Here's a scalpel. <laughs> give it a give it a cut. Go ahead and give that brain a cut. I mean, so it, it comes down to an, an actor. An actor's got two things going for them when they're starting out or with their entire career, really it's, you know, you got, you have talent and then there's craft and they're two separate things. And your talent is, is, uh, you know, it's, it never gets bigger. It never gets smaller. It is what it is. It's been given to you by whomever hands these things out before birth. And, uh, your craft though, is what gives whatever amount of talent you have, a shape, you know, and right. a voice and a, and a malleability. And, and that can, that on the other end can always get better. It can always get bigger and therefore can, can utilize more, squeeze more out of whatever talent you have, be it big or large, it doesn't matter. So, so I, I think that studying the craft is fucking paramount. And the reality is if, if you're not in this business because you love it, because you love the craft, because you love the work, uh, there's a lot easier ways to make money, you know, because this is a, 
this is a grind, this game. And you got to be, you got to be in it because you love, you love something about it, some component about it. That's not a result. That's not a money or a fame or anything like that. It's got to, it it's, can't be results oriented. You got to love some part of the process to keep you going, man. Cause otherwise you just, you know, you burn out. Yeah. You burn out. Um, let me ask you, how much did you like living in New York? Cause I, I, I was in New York. I went to NYU after Ohio state and I, I fucking mm-hmm. loved it. I didn't want to go to LA. Um, I didn't want to go to LA at all. Uh, my plan was to stay. I fucking love New York. Same. And my plan was to was to stay in New York until I was forty, you know, and then I was gonna come out to LA and take everybody's job. But uh, <laughs> I, I was, uh, but you know, I mean, this this the best laid plans, right? So I mean, things happen weirdly, and you got to be available for when opportunities show up. And an opportunity came up in two thousand three when I was like twenty five, and I got invited to Los Angeles because a casting director had seen me in this thing. And, and, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't sure I wanted to go. I even told her, I was like, I don't know anybody in LA. I don't know why I'm starting to establish myself out here. And she's like, okay, copy that. <clears throat> 10 minutes later, she called me back and she had set up meetings for me at all over town with agents and network execs and studio execs. And it was, it was such an insane help up the ladder that it would have been, ridiculous not to sort of follow that and so i did but then you know i recently turned 40 and i just moved back to the new york area and you know i got uh got a place about an hour outside of the city and um and i feel like this is where i belong i'm inspired here uh new york gives me an energy la is is la is great for a lot of people it's just for me it's toxic kind of and 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 I can't, uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it there anymore. I'm not being surrounded by it constantly. Also, the weather bums me out in LA, but uh, <laughs> because it's 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 sunny and 75 every single day, every fucking day, dude. <clears throat> until it's <laughs> until it's a summer where it's 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 sunny and you just double that temperature. Yeah, and uh, you know it's horrible to be hungover in LA. Um, <laughs> New, York, New York is is more suitable for hangovers because when you walk down the streets in New York, you feel like everyone else is hungover as well. So you're like, ah, oh, all right, I, f- I fit in. I <laughs> fit the, in. There's a there's a well of energy that you could, you just as soon as you step onto a sidewalk, you your your body taps into. It's true. Um, That's true. It, it, you know, and uh, it's also look. I mean, you know, I my wife and I just went on Friday to go see Mark Rylance perform uh, Farinelli and the King. And he's one of my absolute fucking heroes. One of my favorite actors of all time, favorite performers in any medium. And, uh, and tonight I'm going down to the actor's studio where I'm a lifetime member to see Mark Rylance do a Q and a for a couple of hours. Oh, wow. And, that's awesome. And that's, that's, that's New York, man. You know, yeah. like those, yeah. those are the kind of things uh, that are available here. Um, just in terms of stoking inspiration and, and, um, and that kind of stuff is important for me, for my process. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I I remember at at NYU, um, there was the, the floor underneath me when I was, when I was in school there, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was doing a a play there. Oh my God. Very small play. Uh, I I would say, fuck that room probably sat a hundred, 150 tops. And, right. um, uh, so I, I would see him every lunch. I would spend lunch with him and, uh, 
for whatever reason, he never carried cigarettes and would always rely on me. So I got to, ta- <laughs> I got to talk to him every single day. The, the fucked up thing, and we, we talked about acting and life and, and everything in between, and he was an awesome dude. The fucking crazy thing, though, was the place was so small uh, that I, I, and he, he was thinner in person than, right. than he is on, on screen. The right. entire summer semester there, I, uh, I didn't know it was him. So I talked to this man every single day for an entire summer. Didn't know it was him until my last day of semester. And a sign went on on a chalkboard on the sidewalk that just said, Philip Seymour Hoffman's new play opening night tonight. And I was like, no fucking way. I was too embarrassed to tell him the whole summer of like, hey, man, do you realize so you look like a thinner version of Philip Seymour Hoffman? <laughs> So <laughs> I hung out with him an entire summer and I just thought he was a cool guy who kind of looked like Philip Seymour Hoffman was doing this like nothing play in New York. And I was just like, oh, that's cool. I thought maybe it was like a one man show or something he kept talking about. And uh, it's one of those things because he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm Phil. And, and I was like, all right, cool. I would have thought a guy like that would have said I'm Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, <laughs> right. But right. I was well, yeah. I was young enough not to know any better. And it was New York because everyone is cool in New York. Every actor seems cool in New York that nobody's throwing IMDb credits in your face. They're no, just kind of exactly. hanging out. Yeah. They're just kind of hanging out, talking about the process. And again, I talked to him about acting for an entire summer without him saying, oh, guess what? I'm Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, that's fucking great. Dude. That's I, New York. That's he, New York. You know yeah. what? He probably appreciated that in, in a in a very real way too. That it was, it was never like uh, you know, oh, dude, you're Phil Schmo. You know what I mean? Like he probably just appreciated the the you know, to- oh, totally the chill reality that you guys had created. Totally. I mean, there was a there was a karate studio across the street, and uh, there was these girls in there, and he was like, man, if I could find a hot girl who knew karate, that would be awesome. <laughs> And I, 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 the majority of our time together, we talked, we talked about these hot girls and karate, smoking cigarettes and acting. And, uh, yeah, he's just an amazing dude. But again, super New York, like that, that's how it is. Nobody really cares and nobody cares about the fame or anything else. And, uh, and it was yeah, great. Yeah, and well, because the, the, you know, people here also, you know, respect actors and respect artists in general, you know, it, and it's. It's. I think it's a. It's a product of a couple of things, but one of which is that there's people that do other things around here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's. It's. It's not like L.A. is such a one industry place. And again, man, I. You know, L.A. is just not my steez. Lots of people dig it, and that's awesome for them, and I hope they enjoy it. But I. But you can have it. I'm. I'm over here on the East Coast where I. I feel uh, I. I sort of. I've returned from exile. Um, <laughs> speaking. Of, speaking of Hoffman, though, I just want. I don't, maybe you remember this. Did you ever see him do uh, True West with John C. Riley uh, at Circle in the Square? No, no, I was didn't. Was that happening when you when you were here? No. Okay. I, well, dude, dig this. I mean, this was uh, fucking incredible. So, and this is, by the way, a solid. My solid number two of best performances I've ever seen. It's 2A and 2B. Um, Mark Rylance in Jerusalem just like is so, it's just entrenched at number one. Everybody else is fighting for second and third now. <laughs> uh, but strong second was Phil Hoffman and John C. Riley doing True West uh, on Broadway. And every third performance, they would swap roles. The two brothers. The oh, I, I, I remember that. I wasn't there anymore to go and get to see that. But everybody was like, Jesus Christ. It was it was incredible. It was incredible. And it was two different plays. It was 
you know, it was it was it, it was totally different, which was such an incredible lesson for me as a young actor in New York. Just that, you know, you have to create it for yourself and, and, and you could have the same the same material clearly and a different actor and it becomes a different it becomes a different play. And so there's a there's a real value. We're not just computers just, you know, plugged into the given circumstances and the lighting and the whatever and go spit out the tears and this is our story. Actors have a real opportunity to help uh uh you know um to to tell the story through their their eyes their world their whatever that that's there's a value to that there's a value to the work because it's it's gonna always be different um it was such i saw it, I, obviously i saw it both ways and it was so amazing yeah yeah and what I, balls dude i, I mean, know somebody says hey listen dude, we're gonna do this thing on broadway and guess what every every third performance i'm gonna do your role you're gonna do my role that's crazy uh, like, dude, it, that's a that's a lot of studying I got to do. That's a yeah. lot of words. That's insane. The, the only other the only other performance that I heard was was a little bit more difficult than that. I remember when uh, Ethan Hawke was doing a play that was twelve hours in in Russian. The whole thing was in Russian. Oh my god! Yeah, and I was like, Jesus Christ! He came on Conan O'Brien and was and was talking about it. And I was in New York at the time, and I I, I was with another actor friend of mine, and they were like, Hey, do you want to go see that that play with Ethan Hawke? And I was like, No, no, I don't. Um, I I, I appreciate Ethan Hawke, but twelve hours all in Russian, I'm totally good on. And uh, but I remember yeah, thinking, well, here's, I don't speak Russian. No, you know? and, no. Uh, if, and I don't know if Ethan Hawke can speak Russian for 12 hours. I mean, I know the dude's a good actor, but he could also just slide in a few words said backwards. You know? And yeah. I, I don't know what the fuck that is. I'm sure it's Russian. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have no idea, but uh, everybody, there was a few people who went to see it. Some friends of mine, they were like, oh my God, it was an incredible exercise in acting. And I was like, I, I bet. It's also an incredible <laughs> exercise in patience for the audience. Like, Jesus yeah, Christ. Dude. 12 hours that's in that's that's uh i tip my hat to the guy for taking on something as huge as that 12, 12 hours is enough time for you to drop acid and become sober again by, <laughs> and still have like <laughs> four hours left of sobriety for the play where you're just like eh, all right cool uh, where, hey, look, if, where, i mean if the 12 hours didn't include a nap on stage i, I don't think that's it's you know no <laughs> Look, there's some things you do probably just to do it to say you did it. Of like, oh, there was a time that your father did a did a play for 12 hours in Russian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> congrats, Dad. I'm super proud of you. That was his like old school story of like the 1950s of walking uphill as a salesman, all in ice right. like, to his kids. <laughs> yeah, I had to go to school uphill both ways, 12 feet of snow. Did a play for 12 hours in Russian. Top that. <laughs> that that's Ethan Hawke's struggle right there. <laughs> What, what was your first big break, by the way, once you were in L.A.? Um, I, I mean, pr probably Black Snake Moan, um, which was, I guess that was 2005 when I got 2006 it came out. So, yeah, 2005. Um, you were fantastic in that, by the way. How was that working with Christina Ricci and, and Samuel L. Jackson? Uh, it was fucking incredible. I, you know, I never I didn't I didn't get a chance to work with Sam. Um, but uh, I was able to meet him there. Uh, but working with Christina and with Justin Timberlake um, and Craig Brewer. I, I, for, I forgot Justin Timberlake was in that movie. 
Yeah, yeah. He and he was he and he was great, and he was such a sweetheart. Um, and that was really when when Justin was kind of at the apex. He was an apex predator in the pop world. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he, he was Crimea River. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and to his credit, I mean, he could have come in and been like, "Yeah, look, Jack, I ain't doing that." Bullshit. <laughs> uh, this 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 is gonna make me look cool, not stupid. So I'm not crying. I gotta be cool. I gotta be tough. Make me look awesome. But he 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 came in there and was willing to be the, you know, the dude who's uh, the sensitive guy who got walked all over. Um, and uh, I immediately liked him. I liked him a lot. And Christina was great. I I loved her. The first scene we shot was the was this scene in the truck where I I rape her. Um, mm. <laughs> and, nice uh, nice to meet you congratulations i'll be yeah, the one raping you in a half hour well that's what ha- yeah exactly like, yeah. how you doing a mikey listen this, it's gonna sound weird but we're gonna you're gonna get raped and punched in the face um <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately dude like there's there's a thing um trying to describe it without you know using because uh, nobody can see me, but uh, you know, you know when you, th- I know you know when you throw a punch in a film, it's you know it's an inch or two in front of the nose, and when you're going you know right to left, then the person's head has to follow the same motion, the sure. same direction, the same tra- trajectory. Yep. Right, and 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 it happens. They move their trajectory when they move their head when they when it crosses their nose, kind of a thing. It's that's the technical aspect of it. Well, on the second take. Uh, this is the day after I've arrived. It's the first scene I'm shooting. On the second take, Christina, bless her heart, kind of moved her head the opposite direction, uh, which caused t- her. Tell me, you knocked Christina Ricci elbow. out? <laughs> did you knock Christina my, Ricci out? My forearm smacked her in the head, and it went back and boom. And I was like, "Holy shit, sweetie, are you okay?" Oh and no! She was kind of out of it a little bit. She's like, "I'm fine." cool you know and i was like oh my god they're gonna fucking fire me it's my my first day on a gig and they're gonna fucking fire me i just knocked out christina ricci i just knocked out one of the the adams family members yeah dude i saw casper you were amazing please don't get me fired um but she was very, very sweet about it. She, you know, that's another thing. She could have been like, "Whoa, what the fuck is your problem?" Yeah, it doesn't matter that I moved my head the wrong way. You should, you know, you shouldn't have been that close. Yeah. I didn't ask for. Yeah, people need to anticipate my shit. Um, but she was so cool about it and so gracious, and 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 you know, Craig was Craig was thankfully very, you know, understanding. And we were able to move on and I continued to have a job. So I, I would say that was probably my first kind of big break. And then and then True Blood kind of after that. And then everybody thought I was from the South. Yeah. Which was weird. And, inclu- including me the first time I met you. We uh, we had dinner at a place called Pig and Whistle. And I had not seen True Blood at the time. It had come right. out and it was massive. And when we got introduced uh, through Klain, um, I was like, hey, nice to meet you. And, and, and I was like, what? I remember asking, I was like, what does he do? And he's like, oh, he's, a, he's an actor. He's in a show called True Blood. And I was like, oh, fuck, everybody loves that show. Throughout the course of that dinner, like 30 people came up to you for you know a picture or, or a handshake or an autograph or whatever. And I was like, oh, fuck. That, I realized how big True Blood was at, at that, that point. And they're still right. die, diehard fans, aren't they? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's intense. I mean, there's still, you know, conventions that are dedicated to True Blood and stuff. It's, uh, it, it really, it really kind of touched a nerve with a lot of people. And, you know, that was worldwide Twilight, too. So, it, yeah, it really, I mean, it didn't start Twilight or anything like that, but it was kind of at the vanguard of the vampire uh, empire that kind of happened after that with all the all the vampire stuff. Um, and, and to be honest, dude, I had no clue that was in the cards you know what i mean like sure. I, I had i was just like holy shit alan ball wants me to play a cajun fella um that's a no-brainer six feet under was great this guy oh yeah alan ball is one of the brilliant best. You, yeah you know and so uh, but i but when i first got involved i was like this will probably you know if it gets picked up which it probably will because it's alan ball but uh i mean what two seasons tops kind of thing sure um because I was, I'm just not hip to that, that, you know, that universe really. And, uh, man, I was, I was, I was really wrong. Uh, thankfully, because we got, I don't know how many years out of true, Blood, but it was, um, it was on uh, for, it was on for a long time. I want to for a long time. Yeah, like, I want to yeah. say like seven or eight seasons, but I, I could be wrong, but again, they're, they're fans worldwide, not just yeah. here, but worldwide are fucking insane about that show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and is that? Let me ask you: Is that what got you terriers? Then was True Blood? No, um, you know, terriers was. Uh, I mean that that was just pretty standard kind of a. I don't think anybody involved with terriers had seen True Blood. To be honest with you, I, I, <laughs> really, I, I know Ted Griffin probably hadn't seen it, and and neither had uh, had Sean Ryan, but. Um, it, it was, it was a standard sort of come in and, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, I got to come in and do like a hang with Donal Logue and, and they didn't, they didn't know that we had known each other. Uh, it was like a chemistry read with Donal before we did it, like a, a, the studio and the network test and, and Donal and I had known each other from a few years back and, uh, you know, we were, it, this is kind of shitty i guess but you know when i saw him in the waiting room i was like bro and he was like oh dude what's up and then we had like the hug and like all yeah. the other actors in the room were like Fuck, yeah man. oh god and I, I bet your, yeah i bet your chemistry read crushed too yeah it did yeah of course i mean you know donald and i've got great chemistry just because i he's like a brother i love him and uh and so that was a pretty standard did that did the studio test and network test and you know, I knew that the creators really wanted me for it. The producers did, but the network needed some convincing and my hair was a little bit longer. And so they literally took me, the producers who were advocating for me, uh, took me to the set of, of something else shooting on the Fox lot. It took me to the hair and makeup trailer and got me a haircut before the, right before the network test, because that was the network's note it was like, really yeah, hair's a little bit long. Yeah. And so they were like, are you willing to cut your hands? Like, fuck yeah, dude, I'm, whatever. Um, and like, okay, uh, let's just go do it right now. And they called, they made a phone call. And then next thing I know, I'm on a trailer on the Fox lot getting my hair cut so I can go in for the, the, uh, the network test. And I think the idea was just that Donald and I, when I had my hair long and his hair was long, it looked a little too, there had to be some kind of contrast between the two. Um, and so, so that's kind of, that's kind of the way that went down. And it was, I was so grateful for that job. That was probably 
the most fun I've ever had. Yeah, that was that was my next question because, like, you know, that's that's still a fan fave for everyone. And every I would say once a year it pops up of like, you know, people are always like, "Dude, bring terriers back! Bring terriers right. back!" Do you get that a lot? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's interesting because you know, whereas True Blood kind of tapped into this worldwide fucking main nerve uh, and has so many fans all over the world, which is which is great. Uh, but Terriers had, it, it just didn't get out there uh, the way I feel like it kind of deserved to. But the people who did watch the show became sort of like not fans, but converts almost. It was like, uh, it was, <clears throat> it was kind of intense uh, the way people became so attached to, to that show and was really beautiful. I'm, if anybody comes up to me and says that they're a Terriers fan, I'm, I'm super grateful. And I know that they're fucking cool. You, right, you know what right, I mean? right. And I can't say that about all the work I've done, but I can I'd be like, Oh, did you like Terriers? You're fucking awesome. You know, you got good taste. <laughs> um, That's still, by, by the way, still one of my wife's favorite shows of all time. And when God she, bless when, her. yeah, when she watched Arnold Dawkins, she was like, yo, that's the dude from Terriers. That, that guy's the fucking best. And I was like, Oh, see, you know, Mikey. And she, she was like, yeah, 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 that's dude. Terriers was my fucking favorite. Um, you're see your wife's got fucking great taste. She's cool she, shit. she does. She does. She, she's in the know and she likes, she looks, she, she's like us. She likes cool shit, uh, acting wise yeah. and things like that, that are kind of underground. She reminds me of you too, where she she just she only cares about the process. She doesn't really care about the fucking right. the re- the rest right. of the bullshit or social media or anything like that. And she's just like, hey, a, a cool gig's a cool gig. I, I don't really give a fuck about the rest of it. You know, fucking a. It's not up to us. That, no, that part's not up to us. You know, you put it out in the universe and. And however that's received, it's up to it's up to that. It's not up to us. Yeah, and, and look, the entertainment industry has changed a lot because now they're relying super heavy on social media. Yeah. Uh podcasts. Yeah, we were that, talking that, about that at, at Clay's house yeah. uh, a couple months ago, where it's just it's so bizarre. You brought up a really great point too, where you, you mentioned to me that when we were sort of starting out agencies would tell us, dude, do not get involved on social media. Yep. Don't get Twitter. Don't get that. <laughs> and I was cool with it because I fucking, I was like, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. I never had a MySpace account. I never had Facebook or any of those things. I didn't either. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, to me, it was no big thing, but, but then it kind of exploded. And then it was now studios are looking at your numbers. And I dude, when I did game of silence on NBC, they, they, every, every week, there's a printout that you get of social media analytics of you know yeah, yeah. Like Imp- impressions yeah impressions yeah, yeah. there was a spike when the fight happened here and the hashtag this was trending for this amount of time and i mean it's really intense how they how they watch it now and i guess that i mean it's just a whole a whole a whole nother universe I mean, they, they used to shoot on film when we started too but that doesn't fucking happen anymore. no no yeah we you know the majority of my first half of my career the movies were all in 35 millimeter and that was awesome yeah. uh not not anymore um you yeah. know and, and i find the difference too is like you know i, I don't know how much you track like deadline.com uh yeah, which nah. which is you know it'll kind of give you a heads up of Everything that's that's getting bought, sold, script-wise, made right. made at studios, who's getting cast and what, and all that stuff. And what I find fascinating over the last, I would say, two to three years, every Sunday they put the box office numbers out, and now they're including impressions, social media, on 
why a movie did well, why a movie failed, what the leads in the movie did social media wise. And they'll put the wow. impressions in that article. And you're like, God damn it. Um, and one of the biggest things that, you know, I'd sell younger actors coming up is, hey, man, start a fucking social media account across the board, because if you don't have those numbers, by the time, you know, you start to make a name for yourself and get bigger, studios are going to tell you to fuck off. And that's that's <laughs> that's yeah. the dangerous part of it. And, you know, there was a, an article with a girl from Game of Thrones that came out last year, and she blatantly said, look, I was not the most talented person in the audition room. There was people more famous than me in that audition room, but I had the biggest numbers on Instagram and Twitter, and I got the fucking job. Oh, God, that hurts my heart. I, I, but, but to her credit, she was like, she did say in the article, look, I was not the best one in Absolutely. that room. Absolutely. I, I give, I tip my hat to that, but, but man, that's a, that's a, that's not a wake up call for talented people who are sometimes, you know, uh, a, a little bit, shy about social media uh fucking you're right get on it do, do the social media thing and get some training and you're on your way yeah, yeah exactly because to me like you, you as an actor kind of remind me of sam rockwell um mm. who's just i fucking love sam always fantastic in everything they do but but could seem like like you, you just care about the work and nothing else and it's a it's a fucking shame, man. With when that the fact that you've got to go on Twitter and put a fucking hashtag up, you know, <laughs> to get people to watch shit or do shit or uh, or whatever. And My look, hashtag this hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> and I fucking I wore myself out on social media because I have to to get you know to get people to watch to, yeah, to watch the show and books. Here's the thing, and, Ross. You're like you you communicate comedy really fucking well through social media. I, I, you know, I'm fucking funniest when we're sitting around a table drinking beer or something else. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can, you know, come up with a clever joke. Or, I don't have the, uh, you know, the, the, yeah, I, I, I know, I know the, what you're talking about. Yeah. The patience, the wherewithal and the fucks to give to do that. Whereas you, you're really good at that. Cause you're, you're a really fucking funny dude who uh who i mean you you riff for my wife and i were talking about this just the other day i think i mentioned it to you in a text message where i was just like dude we were just talking about you the other day you went on a riff for like a good 35 minutes straight and you were just throwing away shit that was fucking so funny (laughs) and that and that's like you got you got it to spare so you're you're good at that you know when you say you whore yourself out you know i i think that's you that's you working your craft a little bit you know yeah um, yeah i mean there's there, look there's certainly weird shit that i do i mean I, you know like last night i found sylvester stallone in a fucking harry potter costume and um i you look well, you i just can't ignore that can you no uh, i just thought it'd be funny to say hey do you do you, do you want to go play quidditch you want to play quidditch <laughs> how about we play some quidditch um. <laughs> <laughs> and look, dude, if you can't do it, if, if if you can't, if you can rather, if you can do a good fucking Morgan Freeman voice, why aren't you putting up ridiculous videos with Morgan Freeman's <laughs> awesome fucking voice? It's, it's, you know what I mean? Oh, it's true. Oh, you know it's true. <laughs> Michael Raymond James, you've never said anything more true in your entire life. It's <laughs> um, fucking great. I want to. I want to. I want to get into a movie that you popped up in that I didn't know you were in. Because again, you're you're not a bragger either. Of like, hey man, I've got I've got this. Whereas the rest of us usually are. Of like, ah, I'm shooting this fucking huge thing. You should probably look out for it. It's gonna be awesome. 
Um, <laughs> I remember sitting in a movie theater. I, I went to go see Jack Reacher, and dude, oh, yeah. typically everybody would be like, yo, man, your friends would be like, I'm starring in a movie with Tom Cruise. You didn't say two words about it. And I saw it in the movie theater, and I was like, yo, what the fuck, Mike? You're in a goddamn movie with Tom Cruise? And you were like, oh, yeah, I love yeah. that moment, though, dude. I love I love the discovery. I love I love when I hear, like, <laughs> I, I, just, I went to go see this fucking movie, and you were fucking there. What the fuck? Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, because I, 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 I remember we went to a bar or something, like, a couple weeks later, and I was like, yo, dude, I, I went to see Jack Reach. You were in that motherfucker. And you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a little thing I did. And I was like, no, you were in a movie with Tom Cruise. Like, like a huge action budget movie. Uh, how was it like working with him? Because I've, I've talked about on, on my show before meeting him. He was a fucking one of the most fantastic people I've ever met in my entire life. Did you have the same experience? Isn't it? Yeah. 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 He's he's so fucking sweet, man. I, uh, I, I think I might have told you this before, but, you know, the, my my meeting him <clears throat> was I can't, I mean, I really kind of I don't know how in the hods happened. I kind of blacked out and lost my shit for a moment. Um, not because of any, well, all right, so here is what happened. I, I was in, I was in Atlanta on a job and I, you know, uh, I heard that Chris McCoy wanted to Skype with me about, about Jack Reacher and, um, and I kind of have a thing where I was like, listen, I, when I'm on a job, I don't like to, I don't like to read other scripts. I don't like to look at other things. I believe in brain germs. I, it'll take me out of what I'm trying to accomplish on this thing. And, sure. And, and on, you know, the show, the thing I was doing in Atlanta was like a, it was like a nine page scene, which never fucking happens in film and television. Ever. Like yeah. Scene. <clears throat> and so I had a lot of work to get through and I want to kind of focus on that. And so I was like, no, thanks, man. I'll, I'll I, I can deal with it after this. And my managers were sort of like, all right, we'll go back with that, you know? And then they call back 20 minutes. They're like, yeah, dude, he's got to, he's got to talk to you like now to make a decision on this thing. And I was like, we'll just tell him to decide not to have me in it then. Because I, I, I really, I was in, you know, if I were working for him, I would insist on the same thing. Um, sure. I can't, I just can't break myself away from this and to do an audition over Skype. And I, I'm just not interested in, so I said, all right. And then they, they call back and I feel like my managers and agents sort of powwow over like, how do we explain to Mikey that he's going to take this fucking Skype call? Uh, <laughs> because they came back and they're like, look, dude, it's going to be fucking 10 minutes. It's not going to fuck up your preparation for this other thing. And it's not an audition. He just wants to talk to you. And I was like, oh, he just wants to talk. Fine. Let's do that then. Uh, and I was like, we could if you could have just told me that from the beginning, and it would have saved this <laughs> fucking this whole thing. That now my head is fucked for tomorrow. But anyway, so so I get done thing. Chris McCoy offers me a, a a role, uh, and says, you know, can you come up to Pittsburgh? Uh, when are you done shooting this thing? And and I, you know, it was like a couple of days. He's like, well, can you come straight up to Pittsburgh after that, and we'll do wardrobe, and um, you can pick out the car you're gonna drive, and you know, et cetera kind of sit down and talk about and i was like absolutely and i'm a i was a big fan of his beforehand obviously you know usual suspects he wrote uh and yeah directed a wrote directed a movie called the way of the gun which i was a fan of big fan of that movie as well yeah right yeah and so i was i was honored to work with him but i you know i i gotta do things kind of by my process or whatever and so so I, anyway long story short i fly into pittsburgh first night i'm there they stick me in the hotel and then I get a phone call 
It says, you know, Paramount has a bunch of executives in town and they're having a dinner tonight. Uh, would you like to attend? And and I was sort of, well, I got nothing else to do in Pittsburgh tonight. So, yeah, sure, I'll go. Great. It's going to be here. It starts at 8 p.m. or whatever. <clears throat> so I show up like at 8.20 thinking like at this point, some of the other actors would have shown up or whatever. But uh, no, I'm the only fucking actor there and a bunch of executives whom I've never met but who all of them say they know you, you know? Right, like, right, right. And, and so I'm sitting there like a, I'm just standing in the corner, like it's a funeral, staring at my feet and <clears throat> holding a drink. And, you know, people will come up like, hey, how you doing? I'm Brad. I'm with the accounting team at Paramount. We're so stoked you're here, you know? Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Like, you know, Appreciate it, Brad. Here's my W-9 for you. Department. We're fucking stoked. And you're like, right on, Steve. Thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> but, you, you know, you're never going to remember their faces and things you probably should i'm just not good at that but um at any rate eventually tom comes sort of marching in with katie holmes they were married at the time still and um she's actually from toledo ohio did you know that yes i did uh oh yeah she she uh she popped down to ohio state once um copy that actually made out with one of my roommates so (laughs) (laughs) So, so anyway, so uh, I'm, I'm standing there and there's Tom and his security detail sort of peels off at the threshold. And he literally, he, he, he does that thing that he does that super intense where he locks eyes with you. you yeah. Know? Oh he yeah. Comes marching right up to me. I'm like, holy shit. Uh, what the fuck am I going to say this dude? And he comes up, he sticks his hand out and he goes, how you doing, man? I'm Tom. I'm a big fan. That's what he said to me. Whoa. I, I said, I was like, fucking dude. Get the fuck. What are you talking about, man? I was like, you, first of all, you don't need to introduce yourself to me. Uh, second of all, big fan. Come on, bro. And <clears throat> I mean, this dude didn't like think about it and skip a beat. Uh, and it wasn't a joke. He was deadly serious. He was like, uh, no, dude, I'm a producer on this thing. If you think I haven't seen every single thing you've ever put on camera, you're out of your mind. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, he's whoa. He, dude. He's an intense guy, man. Um, he's an intense guy. He's that guy that you see in the movies and and so and so i was like i was kind of moved by that i was like well thank you very much that's very kind of you to say and um and then he kind of goes into his 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 small talk spiel whatever he's got his arms folded he's like i tell you what man it's gonna be a great film great film great film (laughs) uh he's like you know uh and i was like yeah man i'm really excited he's like yeah we got a we got great cast man you know just a great cast well there's you there's me and Bobby Duvall and Rosamund Pike and Richard Jenkins. And he's going on. And, and it, when he said Bobby Duvall, I had this kind of, this is where I get into like the blackout brain fart thing where I was like, and I said, Tom, am I, am I, fu- am I fucking crazy? Or you and you and Robert Duvall have worked together before. Right. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Years ago, we did a picture called days of thunder. Days of thunder. Yeah. I dude, And I was so embarrassed that I didn't have that. Like, that, because I've seen Days of Thunder when I was in my college years, I watched it a thousand, a thousand times. times Cold yeah. Trickle was badass, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> um, and that's the most NASCAR I've ever I've ever watched in my life. But uh, <laughs> for some reason, I don't know why that this makes no sense to me even today. But I want him to know that, of course, I knew he was in the movie with Robert Duvall called Days of Thunder. I started involuntarily reciting lines from the movie <laughs> to his face bobby devolve lines to <laughs> tom cruise i just go 
I go, Cole, I want you to go out there and hit the pace car. And he was like, what? I go, hit the pace car. You hit every other goddamn thing on that track. I want you to be perfect. <laughs> and he starts giving me Cole Trickle lines. No way. Uh, dude, it was fucking insane. It was like an out-of-body. You know, like when you start saying something that you know you shouldn't. Like, yeah, it's coming out of your mouth and you're seeing it. You're like, this is a bad idea. I shouldn't <laughs> be saying this. I should just stop. But you can't. You have to see it through yep. kind of a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Done it and, many and times in my life. Was happening. And then when he came back, it was such a relief. And then I went forward and then he went forward. Then, then it just sort of erupted into back slapping and laughing. And it was really sweet. He could have been such a dick about that. <laughs> uh, but he was so cool about it. And I was so relieved. The fact that he just started dropping cold trickle lines, I'm surprised he remembered. I'm one of those people, I can't remember any lines from any movie I've done. Like, right. I, I just, once the project is over, it, it's almost as if it never happened to me unless I watch it again. Um, right, I, right. I forget all of the lines, everything, and it's, people come up and quote things, and I'm like, I, man, I fuck. I, I vaguely remember well, it, well, but you, I'm, you I'm not good at it. Well, you kind of have to because, you know, you got you to gotta make room for the next movie or, or, or whatever, yes, you know. yeah. But, but at, at the same time, you know, uh, uh, you know, he's had some iconic scenes with some iconic actors. Sure. Some of those you you kind of remember. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure Jack Nicholson, of course, remembers the "You Can't Handle the Truth" scene. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, um, of course, because it, it gets you know it gets spouted off to you so many times out yeah, in public it, and whatnot. You're probably annoyed by it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I, I will say this about Tom Cruise and, and tell me, because again, I've told this story to the audience before, but when, when you meet him, he's one of those guys where everyone, you know, everyone in the entire room is staring at Tom Cruise the entire time. Like, yeah, they don't their eyes don't leave him just because they're fascinated that Tom Cruise is, is in the room with them. And it doesn't matter. He's able to separate it. There's a million people staring at him. And, and solely focus on you and talk to you and make you feel like you're the most important person in the world and that he's known you for like 30 years. Did you have that same? Yeah. same... Absolutely. He's really great about that. I mean, he's, 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 yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's an intense listener. Yes. You know what I mean? And, and, and but he's, he's very gracious and very sweet. And I, I think he's, he's been doing it for so long where people have been staring at him like that, that he's, he's learned how to, you know, sink down and really be able to focus on, on one person at a time. And like you said, really make them feel like special, you know, they're the only person in the world. I always thought it'd be a good idea to have Tom Cruise around if I was going to commit a crime, you know, like, Oh, for Tom, sure. Stand over here while I go inside this bank and hold it up, you know? Uh, cause he would know he's going to give a shit. Yeah. And not only that, but you, he would also know every move to get you out of it and do it cool, calm and collected where you're just like, shit. I well, the guy can fly a helicopter. So I just like keep the chopper running. I'll be, I'll be in a second. Yeah. There's nothing Tom Cruise can't do better than you. Um, <laughs> That's what I always say. That's true. He because he because he does all of his own stunts. He, so he's driven race cars. He's flown planes. Uh, yep. He's jumped off of buildings. Um, you name it. That guy's fucking done it. So he's, I, he's hung on the outside of a jumbo jet and you know uh, rogue whatever the whatever Mission Impossible Rogue One or Rogue Nation. Um, that was actually him on the outside of a jumbo jet during takeoff. Oh yeah, That's yeah. Cr- crazy uh, ridiculous um like when i saw that video online i i remember thinking to myself nah i would use the stunt guy like no hesitation whatsoever 100 like, percent, dude i would have been on the craft service table or my trailer yep you know? yeah 
G- grab that grab that stunt guy from from South Carolina or whoever that is and, and pop him in here because I'm not I'm not fucking doing that shit. Tom, on the other hand, is like, nope, we need it to be real and I need to do this or or it didn't happen. And you're like, oh, okay. All right, fine. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Go Fi- get it, Tom. Fire away. Yeah, um, he's uh he's a great he's a great great guy. My the my short interaction with him was was very was very cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, a lot of people know you from Once Upon a Time. How, how'd you like working on that? Yeah, it was fun. You know, uh, I it, it, that was um, that was the job I took. That uh, when they offered it to me, uh, I was in Australia, and I was I, I don't watch a lot of television, and so I wasn't sure what it was. And uh, when I flew back to the states, I took a meeting with the creators, and they were sitting in front of a a photo of uh, Bobby Robert Carlyle. And then they pitched me the story idea. They said, and that's going to be your dad. And I, I was, um, I was, I was stoked. Cause you know, the story idea was great. And Robert Carlyle, I mean, it was Bixby, you know what I yeah. mean? Like yeah. plain spotting. And I was, I was so, uh, such a huge fan of that dude's. Um, so I said, absolutely, this mega TV show, man. And, uh, and that was, it was fun. It was, it was, it was sort of different for me from the kind of work that I'm, uh, that's in my wheelhouse, you know? Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Another show with a crazy fan base, by the way. Intense, really, really intense, really, really intense. (laughs) (laughs) They're called like oncers, right? Is that the right? They're called oncers. Yeah. Yeah. and this is where I heard about shipping for the first time. Do you know what that is? I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'd never fucking, I had no idea what that was. And when somebody said, look out for that sh- kind of shipper or whatever, I was like, what, what are you, what are you saying? Uh, <laughs> and then when I found out what it was, it like, you just overwhelmed with the amount of, there's a lot of tribalism within that fan base. And, um, and it all comes down to, ships who ships this relationship and that relationship or whatever and they go to fucking war and it's it's uh it's it's really intense uh, <laughs> which which a person like you loves um you, you yeah lo- <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you, you love that that social oh, media yeah. space and uh I, I love it about as much as sticking my dick in a jar of bees you know it's uh <laughs> Uh, the last one I'll bring up before I let you get out of here, just because I'm a I'm a personal fan of this this person in real life and character, uh, is Sons of Liberty. You got to play Paul Revere. Yeah. How how fucking crazy is that? Where you call? Do you call your parents? Do you call your family? And you're like, hey, I'm playing Paul Revere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was I was pretty fucking stoked about about doing that one. Um. And and I was stoked about doing the research. I was like, oh God, yes, there's so much research material on this guy that I get to like go into this super informed. And uh, and so that was fun. And that's you know that's that's one of the reasons. Um, you know, the accent I did for Paul Revere was like kind of a, a, a Boston townie kind of accent, and that's because that's the way Paul Revere spoke. And and I'll tell you how I learned that was um well first of all he was he was a you know he was a street guy from the north end of boston who thought of himself as you know uh, an artisan and a gentleman at the same time and without a hint of irony you know like he was he was generally 
able to operate in between the two worlds of sort of the Boston society and also the the lower classes uh, in the neighborhoods. I mean, he could he could he had he had Irish spies that were his informants all over town and um, and, and but also would hang out with, you know, the the Hancocks and the Adamses and, and those guys went to Harvard and he, he was never formally educated Paul Revere. Um, so he would, he would write his letters to friends and family. He would spell words phonetically as opposed to having really learned how to spell them. And as a result of that, like his mother's maiden name was Hitchborn, uh, H I T C H B O R N. Uh, maybe an E at the end of that. I don't know, but uh, but he would spell it Hitchborn without the R, without the fucking R. Okay, he so would, yeah, he was already removing it phonetically. He was he was removing. He spelled he spelled charter the word. You know when we signed the chat, he spelled it chatter, and, <laughs> and he spelled everything in that fucking towny fucking accent, uh, which was I mean that's where it's I mean it was the beginnings of of what would what we what we hear today in Southie and well, maybe not in Southie anymore, but you know, Dorchester and Charlestown and um, that that's the way he spoke. And then I, I kind of got pissed off. If you give me a second to address this for a minute, I was for sure. really annoyed at some uh, critic who, who was incensed that I would use a, 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 a towny accent when everybody at that time she claimed <clears throat> spoke like the British, um, which is such an ignorant sort of take on things. Like that's not, first of all, it's not true. Um, but second of all, how are you, you're so sure of yourself that that's the reality. <clears throat> you, so, so you're saying if we just unpack that a little bit, that people have been living in the colonies for over 150 years at that point. Uh, and they came from all over France, uh, England, obviously the UK, Ireland, Ireland. Yeah. And, and the Dutch colonies. And I mean, they came from all over. Uh, and, and so after 150 years, that's multiple generations, especially at a time when people didn't live that long, um, that the dialects, the accents never changed. Whereas in less than a hundred years after the Revolutionary War was the Civil War, but at that point we accept that there's 19,000 different Southern accents and Northern accents. So in less than a hundred years, all the, all these accents became changed dramatically. But the 150 years before that, not not at all. Uh, and so that's just such a if you think about it, it's such a bizarre take. So I, I just want to say to the people who are claiming that. Uh, he did not have that accent to open up a book and read about it a little bit. Cause I have actual letters that Paul Revere wrote. Uh, and of course he didn't say car because that didn't exist, but he would have if yeah. he fucking owned a Pontiac. <laughs> he would say. Uh, let, let me ask you, do you read the critics a lot? Do you, do... I don't, I don't, I, I really, I really don't. I just, uh, uh, you don't you know, strike me one, as a critic I, I, guy or, or cause I look, I'm and the reason I ask, I'm one of those people, like I'll read critics, I'll read things online and, uh, it takes a thick skin obviously. Cause no matter how great, you know, and anything you do, somebody's going to pick it apart. Of um, course. 
but I, I didn't picture you reading you, you to read critics. Did somebody bring that to your attention, or did you did you just see it online? Yeah, no, somebody somebody sent it to me. That was like, dude, look at this. They're fucking trashing you. Oh, <laughs> like, God. I, I, you know, so then of course you look at it, uh, and and it's look whatever. Um, I, it's um, that's they got to eat too, so they got to have something to criticize, I guess. But um, uh, I typically don't read criticism either good or bad because it, it's it, it's really it's it's not part of my process that doesn't do anything for me it just it either bums you out and hurts your feelings or you get your chest out a little bit too far and uh you know you walk into a pole or something yeah yeah no i look i hear you um i, I don't I, I try to stay away I'm, I'm one of those people like critic wise if somebody sends me something great i don't actively seek it out um right. But uh, social media comments, because I'm on social media a lot, you know, I'll, I'll get shit all the time. And I'll, and I'll, you know, either about a movie or a role or something like that, you know, that they didn't like. And they'll actively try to seek you out to tell you. And it's just like, hey, man, try to make a fucking movie or a TV show. It's <laughs> yeah, so it's super mind easy, dude. You should oh, just go God. do it and be the best at it. I, I do. I, I average like one. I do one a year now. And that's about it. And um, just simply for the fact of how hard it is, because I, I produce them and all that other bullshit. And, uh, right. Yeah. 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 And you it's, wear a lot of hats and your stuff yeah and it's it's uh it's it's exhausting and there's nothing worse too than when you produce it and write it and and direct it and start it and and it comes out and then people find you out out online and they're like man i fucking hated this and i hated you in that and (laughs) you know you know what i would have done to make this so much better and i'm no lie this it happened to me this morning and uh like somebody on facebook it had hit me up personally and was like man i didn't like this one movie you did three years ago and i I was like motherfucker i was having a normal goddamn day today i was looking at some some olympic highlights uh i was about to take my kid to school i there was nothing in in my path that was that was kind of gonna bum me out today and you you went out of nowhere to find me through the back channels yep. and uh and talk to me about a movie i did three years ago you fucking asshole remind <laughs> me to piss in your mouth if we ever meet yeah yeah i was like jesus christ man uh you know i, I didn't find you today it fucking yeah at, yeah, at, yeah uh, nothing worse nothing worse but uh sure. it, it is what it is um, I, I do want to say this. I, they, they found Paul Revere's, uh, outthouse and, uh, I thought of you. Um, so if you're, if you're ever curious, were, were people looking for it? What yeah. do you mean they found it? Yeah. Uh, so we, we talked about I, it. The I'll, motherfucker left it here somewhere, dude. Yeah. It's around here. Just... There is, there is, there's people who excavate outhouses. Um, and <laughs> And they just dug up Paul Revere's and they're going, they're currently sifting through his toilet to find, finds like, like what he had in his toilets. And I want to be what the reason why I tell you this, I want to be that famous one day where it's like, man, I found an old toilet that Ross used to use. And I dug up his shit because what they're going to do is like go through the shit and try to like find traces of DNA and everything. Like I want people 200 years later to find my shit and be like, Hey man, you know Ross was eating super. Hey, Mexican. He had a fucked up diet, man. Yeah, you. he was eating a lot of Mexican corn. We just can't put our <laughs> finger on why. Uh, but, but when I saw that story, I was like, ah, man, my buddy played Paul Revere. Uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure he'd appreciate this. <laughs> I, I do. I'm, I'm going to seek it out. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe take a piss. Yeah, just take a. Since you're in New York now, just take a quick, quick jaunt over to Boston because um, yeah. they're still they're still digging it up as we speak, and just say, hey guys, uh, I think I'm I, I'm I'm kind of 
want to be in the know of what's going on here, how this is shaking out on his toilet. So if you could just kind of loop me in on your progress. Yeah, listen, guys, I, I played him on the tee on that lookity box. So uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I need to be in the emails that are going on around here. <laughs> if you could just CC me on everything you guys are doing, that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> I really need to know about Paul Revere's shit. Um, <laughs> And if you see the picture online, just just Google search it. The picture online is this. It's an old man and an old woman digging through this fucking outhouse, like the remains of this outhouse. And they're, they've got the biggest smiles on their face. Like, like it's the happiest they've, they've ever been in their life. And you're like, man, it's so amazing to me that digging up a bathroom from 200 years ago, like you could be that happy. That makes you that happy in this world. And it's like. Man, don't tell me that there isn't a job out there for everyone. Cause, uh, yeah, cause well, there yeah, there you go. Yeah. That, that, uh, <laughs> Americans there is. don't, there's jobs Americans won't do. <laughs> <laughs> Get fired uh, up about finding Paul Revere's toilet. He was probably like, oh, fuck, I stopped using that fucking thing after fucking Adam took his <laughs> shit in that. You know? Look, Adam stunk up the place. He was like, there was a giant lit candle in there. And I was like, fucking Adam, Adam was in there. I tried to burn the fucking down. You know yeah. what I mean? Fuck, <laughs> fuck sucker. And then you dug up my fucking toilets. Uh, Michael Raymond I James. I buried it for a reason. Why do you think it was on the ground? <laughs> Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Look, Mikey, I appreciate you doing the show. Um, again, you're, you're one of my favorite actors on this planet. And uh, oh, I, I wish Thank you, you so much. continued success. And, uh, and I'm, I'll see you soon. I'm, I'm glad you're back on the East Coast. Yeah, bro. Come on up, man. Whenever you're, you know, whenever you need to get out of... Uh, North for a minute. And I, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm in New York probably four or five times a year because of all the books now. So I, Word. I, I will see you soon, my man. Co- copy that, brother. Yeah. Uh, and thank you for being on the show, dude. It's, yeah, it's cheers, always a man. pleasure. Thanks for having me. This was fun. <laughs> all right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Later. See ya. Michael Raymond James, everyone. How fucking cool is that guy? Um, just... Just a fucking awesome dude through and through. And, and again, sincerely, one of the most talented actors um, you will find working today. And, and he's just one of those guys where if he pops up in something, you know the project's going to be better. Um, and you also are like, oh, fuck, I know that guy. What's his name? His name is Michael Raymond James. Um, so look him up. Go and follow his work. Follow him online. Uh, find him on Twitter and Instagram. Since he loves social media so much, tell him you heard him on Ross Patterson Revolution, and uh, uh, and, and give him a huge shout out. Uh, this was a fucking awesome, awesome, fun show. Um, God, what a fucking great interview! Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I appreciate it, and uh, I will see you on a Friday. Good night, everyone. Uh-huh.